Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this now Friday, September 18th of 2020, as we are getting ready to head into this weekend, always uh, with our ears and eyes open, spiritually speaking, and, and being attentive. So many things that are taking place around the world, so many things taking place within our nation. Um, just here in California, uh, the fires that are going on that are still here, and just the things that we are listening uh, that are taking place, uh, UFOs appearing in New Jersey, uh, natural disasters, I mean, everything, brothers. I mean, it's just a mixture, a boiling pot of things. And, and Jesus said, you know, <laughs> Jesus said that when you see these things, he didn't say, uh, okay, I'm coming, so anytime, so get ready. No, he says, this is just, he says, um, be not ye troubled. And the second thing he says after, he says, um, this is just the beginning of sorrows. So think about that. Mm. We are in the beginning stages of, of sorrows, but we understand we are heading somewhere. Amen? We're, we're heading somewhere. We're heading to that time of the end that the Bible speaks about. And 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 we know we're close to our elections uh, in November, so everything is brewing. And I mean, it's just like it's just boiling. It's just boiling. America is boiling right now. But if there's anything that where the people of God could find strength is in the Word of God, and that's why we study it. Amen. And and that's why we 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 thank God that you could join us on these podcasts and that you could find. Uh, direction, you can find encouragement, exhortation, and the study of the word as we gather together. Today, uh, in our podcast, in our panel, we have uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. As always, it is always a pleasure to and an honor to study the word of God together with my brothers. And uh, so we'll leave it to you, Brother Marty. Uh, I'm excited about what God is going to, what we're going to be able to glean today. So have your Bibles ready, and, and let's get ready to study the Word of God. Brother Marty, share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. It's been quite a week. This week we've been looking at, uh, we actually started last week talking about the prophetic psalm of Asaph. And over the weekend, this week, this past week, we began to think about um, the qualities that were developed within Asaph, the, the, the chief choir director in the Tabernacle of David and the guardian and protector of the ark itself with his brothers and Odom, Edom and his sons and brethren at, uh, as a doorkeeper. But Asaph primarily, we began to ask the question or at least cause ourselves to reflect on uh, what, what it is, you know, that, that, that takes a person um, from, being ordinary so to speak and 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 then developed by the spirit of god uh to become an extraordinary vessel in the house of the lord that is our our desire is is to allow the spirit of god to bring us into these levels of spiritual development and it's really vital you know because especially now like brother jeremy was talking about everything from fire to flood to famine, to UFOs over the skies in New Jersey over the weekend. You know, we were talking about that before we started the podcast, right? 
some of the films we saw of this extraordinary sighting of some sort of a craft in New Jersey to such an extent that it literally stopped traffic on the on the highway they were at and hundreds of cars stopped and people got out with their iPhones and were recording this event uh in the sky over over the weekend um some say it's aliens some say it's it's the new uh I think it's called TR38 this new uh this new craft that uh, supposedly's been in development since the days of Roswell so who knows, well, man? But what what really struck me was uh, was like we were talking about offline was the you know if that had happened in the 30s, 40s, or 50s, I mean we would have had breaking news and and people running <clears throat> in panic in the streets, screaming, you know, oh my God, it's the aliens. <laughs> but we've reached such a point in our culture, and especially in 2020, it's almost like it's all flowering now. People were just right. looking at the thing laughing or just going, wow, check that out. You know, I mean, but there was no panic in the streets. So it makes you wonder what they're setting us up for next, right? What are they, what are they yeah. bringing out now? And uh, if you remember back in, I don't know if you guys remember this story, but I don't remember what year it was. I think it was the late 30s or early 40s uh, or after World War II, one of the two. The, the famous Orson Welles on Halloween night. Uh, he had a broadcast, a radio broadcast, and on Halloween night, he he set up a stunt where he uh, he pretended that we were being invaded by aliens, and he had like wow. a remote site people calling in and pretending, ah, they look horrible, they're screaming and yelling, and it caused such a panic. Uh, the people wow. literally thought we were being invaded by Martians. <laughs> So I go, if those of you aren't familiar with it, just Google Orson Welles UFO or something. It'll come up. But, um, yeah, they actually, if I remember correctly, they brought him before Congress. That's how serious it was uh, to give an account for why he did what he did. He said, I, I kept telling at the beginning of the broadcast, he said, we told everybody this was just a story we were making up. But most of the people who tuned in hadn't heard, uh, you know, the beginning of the broadcast. So my point is this. We've come from that panic in the streets to congressional hearings uh, to our time where people are just going, oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah. we're, in, we're, 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 we're really, we've really quite drifted from, uh, from our innocence. Brother, Let's put it that way. Go ahead, brother. Brother Marty, does that, is that, you know, is the reason why that happens? Is it because people have lost the fear of God or why, why do you think that people have been desensitized in our country? Why, why do you think? It's this attitude that, you know, for example, fires are happening, people refusing to leave their homes and blah, 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 you know, or it's, mm -hmm. oh, it's just fires. You know, why Why the attitude? Why, why the, you know, why is the that attitude pre uh, prevalent in, in the people today? Well, why in my opinion, I think, I think it's a combination of, of many things, but what you just said, uh, you know, we're, we really are, are desensitized to to danger in the case of the ufo incident over the weekend um you know we have been progressively being sold uh propaganda if you will <clears throat> from very very dark and sinister places and forces uh you know over decades you know they how they introduced uh primarily through the entertainment industry you know the the movies we've seen and and so forth and so on. That's that's worked over the decades to to create a culture in in the people's minds. 
where they basically are willing to accept whatever it is they put in front of you because we've seen it for multiple years. Right. 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 So, it's, I mean, it's not, it, it's like, it's like, it's almost not like real to people. And and as far as people not leaving their houses when there's a fire, I have no idea how you could be that stupid, you know, but right. people do things for, for various reasons, but it's just a sign of the times, don't you think? I mean, we are, <laughs> we're in, uh, we're in those times, right? Where, where we have no discernment, we have no feeling. It's just weird, man. It's a weird year. It's going to get worse, unfortunately. But we want to talk about, like we've been talking about what we're seeing and what we're witnessing and what uh, the Lord took us to a new level this week. He really did. Uh, much of what we've been talking about in the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem in regards to studying the background, which Asaph witnessed. And we'll get to Asaph's psalm again, Lord willing, unless the Lord continues to take us in, in deeper directions uh, that haven't that don't bring us to the psalm yet. But we're headed there, trust me. I think the timing of the spirits involved in this, because we stopped at verse 3. Uh, and then we began to explore the bringing of the present. So all of that is tied together. Uh, if you go and listen to the Psalms, uh, I mean, the uh, podcast about Asaph's Psalm uh, and, and Psalm 74 that we were discussing, we stopped at verse three. Monday, we picked it up by discussing the background that led Asaph to even be someone in the temple, in the tabernacle, and that he lived through two eras. He lived through King David's era. He saw the pitching of the tent in Jerusalem. He saw the placing of the ark. He became, and his brothers, the caretakers of it, ministering daily before the ark in the tabernacle of David. But then he also witnessed the the building of the temple of Solomon. And he was there uh, in that temple for a brief period of time. And it's quite possibly that that's where he wrote his 74th Psalm. Uh, once that temple was completed, what he saw in the in Psalm 74 is 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 an unfolding of the remaining of history from that point on until the second coming of the Lord. But his preparation and development in the spirit of of God up until that point has its roots in all the history that he lived through. And this is something that's really interesting to me. I don't know what your guys' thoughts on this are, but <clears throat> how God develops his servants is is very fascinating to me. Because, you know, when we seek the Lord, we seek him not only to tell him we love him and and, and to learn his word and in our own private time with God, but but if you if you truly begin to pursue him and give yourself to that, first of all, he begins to strengthen you in it. And if you'll be consistent and diligent in it, he will begin to really deconstruct you. <laughs> He'll begin to sensitize you to the way that he communicates. And how he communicates is within his word, but it's within his word that we begin to glean and understand that what Paul said. There is a time when we're babies in Christ. In the book of Hebrews, I think it's verse uh, 12 of chapter 5 through 14 there, he said that there was a time when they should have become teachers, but that they had need again, uh, that, uh, that, that, they, that they drink from the milk of the word and not the meat of the word. 
So just those statements lets us know that God's intention from the born-again experience, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, is not to keep us like that, but 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 to, to develop us to the point where strong meat is able to be given to us, deeper, uh, solid things of the Word. And so I find it fascinating that these were Old Testament heroes, right? These are Old Testament they, <laughs> what level of spirit were they able to walk in in the old covenant? And and how much have we uh, not been educated in the kinds of things that, that we're meant to know and understand for God to develop us in the New Testament? You know, because we have the benefit of looking back on them. <clears throat> At the time that the ark was being brought up, they had the they had the Torah. But they reached the point where the priests had had neglected their ministry of the word of God to the people. Moses' tabernacle is up in the mountains there in Gibeah, I believe it was. Uh, the ark has been being had been taken capture by the men of Kirjath Jerem, which we've been exploring over a 70, 60, 70 year period. They went from the people of the word who came out and dominated the the, the promised land to not even knowing how to handle the presence of God in one generation. It's incredible. In one generation. Yet, within that, you see people like the blessed King David, Obed-Edom, Asaph, and the others that the Bible mentions, Himan and Jaduthin and the others, uh, who were able to be molded by the events of their day and the leadership of David, a type of Christ, apart from just his humanity, he does fulfill a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, how they were developed by the Spirit and how keenly aware they were of his voice and how he triggers thought processes in the mind and sensitivity of the heart. When David began to explain those things to us in the 51st Psalm, his great psalm of of repentance after he repented for his sin with Bathsheba, he reveals things in there that are so uh, insightful. One, he, he, he breaks us down into component parts and places where the Spirit of God speaks to us. One is, is where he said, well, let's take a look at that real quick. And let's, just, let's just follow this thought for a second here before we get back to the ark. Because we're talking about the development. Psalm 51, Brother Jeremy, would you go over there? <laughs> Psalm 51, he he talks about something in verse 6 in his spiritual development with God. Now, this is years later. He's already established as king. He's, 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 he's messed up with Bathsheba and, and, and done some pretty bad things there. But, but he understands something. And, and and he reveals something really interesting to me. Maybe we could just talk about it a little bit. In uh, Psalm 51, uh, verse 5, uh, well, actually, verse 6. Can you read verse 6 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So he... he he talks about what began to happen to him in his reflection. You know, he's coming to an understanding 
he was confronted by the prophet Nathan over the sin that he had been hiding for almost a year. And and he composes this psalm, um, and, and this is what he revealed. He, he talks about the Lord desiring truth in the inward parts. Notice that's plural. It's not an inward part, but it's inward parts. Let's put that on the shelf. And then he says, and then there's a a hidden part that he he became incredibly aware of the fact that he needed to be made to know the wisdom of God in that part. When the Spirit of God begins to deal with us, because he will, you know, our relationship and approach to God is our initial attempt at seeking God. Most people check out right here. It doesn't make them bad people. It's just that all of us are guilty of this and have been in our in our walk. But it's the Holy Spirit that that woos us to 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 come and spend time with the Father. The Lord Himself desired with all His heart to introduce us to His Father. You know the the whole one of the uh, uh, main premises of calvary was to was to tear the veil between us right it, they call it talked about his flesh being that veil that was torn open so that the way into the holiest of all could be made known through christ our lord right he went to that extent in order to take the hand of humanity and the hand of the father just for you know allegorical purposes or using adjectives to describe what's almost indescribable and bring the two hands together he he stands in the middle as the mediator and so he opened a way for us to have relationship but the reason that most people don't ever seek god is because they do not understand the the depth uh or not that i claim to or any of us claim to but there are depths uh of of connection with God. Jesus kind of intimated that when he talked about, you know, I when, remember when he went to pray at Lazarus's tomb and, and then he prayed out loud and then he said, Father, I know <laughs> that you hear me always, right? But for the benefit of those that are standing around me, I said what I said out loud. So he talked about a connection with the heavenly father that if it was not attainable, he would have never said things like, I would that men would pray always, right? You know, uh, Paul talked to the Corinthians and said, you guys are all into hyper-charismatic, you know, uh, charismania here. Everybody's speaking in tongues. Nothing's coherent. He said, I'm not against speaking in tongues. He said, as a matter of fact, he told them, I pray in tongues more than all of you people combined, right? I just don't make an outward display of my prayer life, but but again, they're, they're revealing to us, um, you know, relationship with God. So what David here is showing us is something extraordinary in our development. Because he he revealed, especially if you think about it, the trap that we get into as people of God. You know, we, we can get into into the trap of of convincing ourselves that we're actually, you know, we're okay. I mean, we're not living overtly sinful lives, you know, we're just getting along, you know, we'll go to church maybe on Sunday, some people don't even, now we can't even go, but my, most people can't, or we might listen to a sermon or maybe read a portion of scripture, and, 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 and there's this subtle sense 
of I'm okay because I'm not, you know, like the world or I'm not like this guy over here. And David reveals here part of the reason that he ended up getting into the place that he was in was that the truth that he was exhibiting was a truth that was on the outside, that which could easily be seen. It, it transitioned into a religious relationship. It was about offerings and sacrifices, ordinances, and, and as a means somewhere in there of justifying or at least trying to, 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 to remove ourselves from the deeper place, which is the guidance of the Spirit. And, and it comes to him when he writes, you desire truth, yes, but in the inward parts. You know, I'm good at this outside. That's why he goes on to say this, um, where he says, let's see, what did he say? Uh, in verse, uh, oh, let's see. Oh, verse uh, verse 16. Can you read verse 16 to us, Brother Jeremy? For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. It, 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 it's it's a, an extraordinary statement because the whole premise for seeking God uh, through the through the system of the Mosaic Law uh, was all about sacrifice and offerings, on and which are outside demonstrations of what is supposed to be an inward uh, consecration and sanctification of, <laughs> you know, fancy mm -hmm. theological words, right? Set apartness and, 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 uh, and made holy, right? That's what makes you holy. But, but for him to say this is a radical thing to say, but it's in the old Testament. Right? It's not the new Testament we're reading here. It's the old Testament. So where David arrived in his understanding at that time, which is in, is amazing, but it's also, instructive to us because he goes on to say in verse 17 what are true sacrifices before you god can you read that brother jeremy the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a broken and and a contrite heart oh god thou will not despise that's what you want see men spend uh their lives uh you know doing outward things i think of some of the wealthiest men in the world you know they set up these foundations they become known as great philanthropists right it's almost as if we try to by our outward show of benevolence and giving uh that we you know that that we're good people you know so it's it's a sacrifice of the outside but david says i what god really wants is a sacrifice of the inside of the heart mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a broken and a contrite heart first we have to be broken in our development these i'm talking to you about the spirit now i'm talking to you about what we what we what what causes us to be developed in the spirit because again this this all happened because we started talking about asaph and his development through the historical events of the bringing of the ark and ultimately it being left in his care and then he begins as he grows in his relationship with god uh, to becoming capable of writing prophetic psalms, not only for the day or, or for a couple years ahead of time, but all the way to the end of the world. And not only all the way to the end of the world, but specific events that he was able to take past, present, and then speak of future. All of these things are a result of relationship with God. And what David is revealing here 
is the condition of the heart is what is what what is preeminent in the eyes of God. And in his case, he mentions the broken and the contrite heart. You know, it's it's not that I you know I, I'll go burn a candle to the Virgin Mary, right, and that'll that'll make everything all right. That, that's kind of what he's saying. You know, I'll go offer a sacrifice in the temple, and uh, but it but it never addressed of what God is really after, which is what we read in verse six. What he wants is truth, not on the outside, but on the inside. And and I'm saying this and referred to this scripture because these are the intricate, detailed, subtle. Uh, understandings that come when you spend time with God. It is process that produces within us, number one, an awareness of where we are in the light of his holiness. The closer you draw close to God, the more you become aware of your, your inconsistencies, your motives, your heart, literally, and the parts of it, every single component that makes up who we are. And most of the time, we can't even see those things until we truly are led into his presence. Remember, the presence of God produced these prophetic psalms we've been talking about. Well, subsequently, let's take it a little bit deeper here in our own personal lives. Because it's the presence of God that exposes. I think of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, right? One of the things we just recently uh, went over in the last few weeks. Consider the reaction of, of Isaiah when he sees God in his holiness, right? Let's take a look at that in Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. Yes. The great prophet Isaiah 6. It's Friday. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so we're, we're leaving you with a bomb, you know. So here we go. Isaiah 6. So are we there in Isaiah 6? Yes, we are. So he, see, he has a vision of God, right, in Isaiah 6. One, can you read one to us, Brother Jeremy? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then he goes on to, to see the, the seraphim, right? The angels flying before the throne. Verse 3 says they're crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He's having a vision of God. That's by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. But the, but the reaction, because this is what the Spirit will do. The deeper you go, the higher you climb as he brings you into those places and positions. What begins to happen first and foremost is what happened to Isaiah, the great prophet, in verse 5. What did he say, Brother Jeremy? Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This will always be. This is always going to be. Whether you're the prophet Isaiah or you're, or you're some crazy dude like Brother Marty, man. I mean, it don't matter. <laughs> All of us. 
all of us are equal in the presence of God. But the yeah. uniqueness of of what's revealed is revealed when we see the King, the Lord of Hosts. He said, "I'm undone. I ca- I'm completely aware of who I am." Because I've seen the king, right? <laughs> right. I've I've seen the king. And when we begin to see him, that's that's the most precious of places to be. Because in his presence, in his perfected light, in the light of his glory and grace, right? When we see him, this is why you 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 see the examples in the gospel of over and over and over again when Jesus in his first public ministry, you'll read how many times, what did they do? They came and fell on their face before him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or if you're the you're the woman caught in adultery, you're, you're weeping and, and broken before him. Or if you're, you're Mary who, who anoints his, uh, 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 the woman who anointed her, his feet with her tears, and dried them with her hair. She saw him, and which is really amazing uh, because I believe that was in the house of Simon the leper. Do you know where that 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 story is? Let's look at that real quick. Simon the leper. Oh, uh, I think it's I think it's I don't know. I think it's in Luke. We got to find it real quick because there's a couple accounts of it. But he goes to eat at, at one of the Pharisees' house named Simon. And then she comes in the house, right? Is it Matthew? Remember 26? where that is? Where is it? Is it Matt? Is it Matthew twenty-six? Let me check here. Let's take a look. Might be Matthew twenty-six. Let's see. Uh. No. No. It's it's uh it's a good story, but let's 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 see if we can find this. Simon the leper. Yeah, he was called a leper. Uh but he's all there's another account where he's sitting there with the Pharisees and she comes in, she like bursts into the Mark house. 14. It, is it Mark fourteen? Take a look. With the alabaster box. Well No, where she dries his hair with her feet uh, with her tears. I mean, she washes his feet with her tears. I think it's in Luke. Uh, it's Mark 14. Yeah. Let's, Let's take a look here. Be patient with us out there, brothers and sisters. We are we're just flowing here trying to find some Mark 14. Let me take a look. Oh, you know what? Okay. If it's not that, it's Luke 7:36. That's the one I'm thinking of, Luke. Okay, yeah. Luke seven thirty six. Um, seven thirty six. Yeah, that's it. We'll read that to us, brother. Uh, thirty six through uh, through thirty eight. And in chapter seven of Luke, verse thirty-six to thirty-eight says, "And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping." 
and began to wash his feet with tears and and did wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, what happens in verse 39? Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Incredible. So we see two separate reactions here, right? There's one who really sees Jesus, and there's one who doesn't. And like we were talking about Isaiah, he said, I'm undone. I'm absolutely deconstructed here. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm hanging out with a bunch of unclean people with unclean lips. I mean, we're a mess when we see, uh, he said, because I have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He saw him. It tore him up. Right? She sees him. She can't do anything but what she did in verse 38, uh, washing his feet with her tears. She was being healed as she was pouring out. And and this was this was a cleansing of her innermost being, because we know he uh, he forgave her sins, right? He he says, "Wherefore I say unto you, woman, uh, to her thy sins, which are many," he says, "are forgiven," because why? She loves much. She loves him. The deeper that we proceed in our relationship with God is what we're talking about here in our development. The Holy Spirit leads us to see the Lord. He leads us to him. And when we see him for who he really is, the reactions, whether it's a woman like this who had many sins or it's a prophet like Isaiah, in his presence, all that we are truly is exposed. And it breaks us. That's why David said, you know, that's what you're after. It's not as if God is sitting up there as, some sort of, you know, sadistic person who just wants us to feel bad all the time. That's not what's, what's happening here. See, the beauty of what, what God is trying to do is to heal us from the hidden things of our own soul. That's what David said. The depths by which our pain, our, yes, rebellion, our sinful tendencies, and, and a host of other things that we could list, and all of it is common to all of us in one form or another, they make their way into the deepest recesses of that most mysterious of things, which is the soul and the spirit. And they will hide themselves there. They work within us all sorts of things that hinder us from becoming what it is that the Lord intends for us to become. And what is that? Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8 and, and, and see what, what we're meant to be. In Romans chapter 8, Brother Jeremy, could you go over there real quick? Yes. Okay. So here we have that insight again. Uh, where he begins to talk about our infirmities, our inabilities. Look, look at verse 26. Would you read 26 and 27 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is extraordinary what Paul is revealing to us, the great apostle here. And again, talking about what we're talking about, the development. It started with Asaph, but now we're really talking about our own individual lives. And why I believe the Spirit has us reflecting on this is because precisely where we're headed, the days ahead, everyone is being examined right now. And all of us are on different, you know, planes, if you will, uh, uh, of of development. None greater than another. No one has preeminence, only Christ, right? But what he's talking about here and what he reveals to us is that we have infirmities, hindrances to to the access uh, of of the will and the knowledge of what it is that God is determining for us to become as individual components of the larger church the habitation of God through the Spirit. Jesus Christ, the head of his church, the chief cornerstone which the builders rejected, on and on and on. And so he says, even when we come to pray for him, pray with to him, he says, we reach points in our development. And really in the initial process as a baby Christian or even just a saint who's never even tried to develop this aspect of their life, that we don't know what we should pray for. And that's a very telling and revealing thing. That's the same thing David was saying when he asked God to make him to know truth, because that's what God wanted, uh, what God wants is truth in the inward part, that mysterious place of the soul and the spirit we were talking about. We don't know how we should pray concerning those things. That's what David was was saying that God was after and is after in his children. But the beauty of the New Testament revelation is what Jesus told his disciples in John's gospel when he said, it is better for you that I go away. Because if, if I don't go away, then this very spirit that the Apostle Paul is talking about, the Holy Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit, he won't come to you. But if I go away, I'll ask the Father, I'll, I'll ask him and pray to him, and he will send you his Holy Spirit. It is the progressive revelation of the movement of the presence of God ultimately into the into the tent that our heavenly King David has pitched for the presence of the Lord, which is his church. And that presence representative by the Holy Spirit, he says, he he begins to... This is extraordinary what he's saying here, that it is the spirit that will make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Or in other words, we don't have the adequate vocabulary to pray at the level that only God can pray. And so he helps us. He helps our inabilities, just like he helped Isaiah, right? He said, man, he said, I, I've seen the king. I'm undone. I, I have unclean lips. 
So what happens? God helps his infirmities and sends an angel with a live coal in his hand from off the altar and touches his lips and says, your iniquity is taken away. Your sins have been purged. Now go prophesy. It's the same process over and over and over if we'll dig into it and allow the Spirit of God to to bring us there. We cannot sit sedentary in our spiritual walk. You are playing with fire if you do right now, especially right now. That is why we must pray for each other. That is why we must, uh, you know, pray for our children, pray for our, our preachers, pray for our churches, pray for our communities. The collective prayers of the saints, each possessing the component of the Spirit of God allotted to the saints, collectively joined together, produces an enormous amount of spiritual power, if you will, if it's truly the Spirit that brings strength not only to each individual life, but to families, to churches, to communities. We have what we have in this country because we're a prayerless church. We will rejoice and and declare, you know, a day of prayer <laughs> or, you know, this big event so we can all get together and pray for a day. You know, we, we're okay with that. And, and it's better than nothing. Trust me, I'm not diminishing those things. But what Paul is after here, he says, is precisely connected to the overall plan and purpose of God. That's what we were talking about. So the Spirit then does something. Can you read verse 27 again to us, Brother Jeremy? What does he do? What does he begin to do? It says, um, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. <laughs> So this is incredible what he's revealing here. He that searches the heart is God. The Spirit is praying through us if we allow him to. And I'm not just talking about speaking in tongues here. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't know uh, how many people truly understand or know this, or you've, you've ever had this kind of an experience with God where words just don't cut it, he, 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 but but you groan before him. And those are gifts of God. It's not like you're going to wake up at, you know, three in the morning and fall on your face and start groaning in the spirit. <laughs> that don't happen. But there are times where that kind of level of prayer is initiated by the Spirit. Praying through us is is the beautiful, miraculous intertwining. Paul described it as being sealed by the Spirit. Yes. You know, our hearts were sealed by the Spirit. Paul described in Ephesians 22 that, that God literally inhabits the church through the Spirit. And here we have us being told that we have particular infirmities that hinder our ability to express what we should. He said, we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. So so part of the great, uh, you know, power of God that was displayed on Calvary was it broke the power of of the wicked one who hindered 
the full expression of the outflow of the Spirit of God because he could never come and join himself to, to a dead spirit, a dead soul. And so when Jesus paid our price, and it was the Spirit, right, as we're told in the book of Romans chapter 1, that raised him from the dead. And he became the beginning of the creation of God. And when he immediately gets to heaven, he sends the Spirit to us so that we might be born from above. We are completely new. The essence of what's on the inside of us is 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 created in the image of God. It's deposited into us even as a freshly born baby comes out of the womb of the mother. So a baby was born in the womb of the natural within the very clay vessels that we find our souls housed in, our mind, our will, and emotion, over which was placed a veil because of sin so that we can't see clearly. Well, that doesn't just change overnight once we get born again. And that's what Paul is saying here, is that now that we're born again, he says, we don't know. It's it's a matter of of not only not knowing, but not knowing how we should pray. And so he sends the Spirit, and he begins to pray through us with groanings, which can't be verbalized by mere human language. And he that is searching the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. What's being revealed there is incredible. Because the Spirit of the Lord is it searches the inward parts of a man's soul. And he knows perfectly well what our trip is, right? I mean, what's wrong with us? <laughs> he knows what we need. You know, and, and so it's like the giant uh, searchlight of heaven the Holy Spirit is. He comes and reflects that light on the darkest places of our heart and mind. Now, it goes on to say, he that knoweth, he that searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. They communicate over you. Oh, my goodness. Over you and me. When I'm praying before God, what's actually happening, he says, is Jesus begins to search my heart. Jesus is the one that's searching my heart. But he sent forth his spirit. It's almost as if, and I hope you can understand this example, it's almost as if every prayer session, truly devotional prayer session between you and your Heavenly Father, almost becomes like a, like a surgery. It's as if when we go into surgery, what do they do? They put us to sleep, right? And then the experts come in and examine whatever it is they're operating on, and they begin to discuss what they need to do, and then they, they, they begin to remove the thing that they need to remove uh, with us completely being unaware of it at first, right, until we wake up and go, oh, something's been done to me, right? Well, look, it's that kind of an example I'm trying to give you that, that's being revealed here. Jesus begins to search our hearts, and what he finds there is the very Holy Spirit that he sent to seal our hearts. And the Spirit that's been there, right, <laughs> He it's as if he's saying he bypasses us in a sense in these moments and they begin to communicate with us. And and he searches our hearts, and he knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he's making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The one that makes intercession for us is, is our great high priest. 
It's as if he takes each individual life, and this is extraordinary, because if you think there's like a two billion people that claim to be saved, and they're all praying, right, or they're throwing up prayers to God, incredible that he's actually interceding for each and every single individual child that belongs to him on this planet and has for generations, for millennia, since he wrote. <laughs> uh, so so he, he makes intercession for the saints, but what? According to the will of God, right? <laughs> he's trying to bring us into that understanding and revelation of the big picture, right? What's going on? But we live at such a low level in our spiritual experience, all of us. We are a million miles away from this. But it can be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye if we will just simply get on our knees or sit in our chair or whatever and take the time to begin the journey. If you'll do that, the Spirit will help your infirmity. But if you do it today and you do it tomorrow and then you're off for a couple of days, you might throw up a prayer in the morning and you really haven't spent quality time with him for two or three days. And then you come back and you say, okay, I'm going to seek God and I'm going to you know, pray today and do that. Well, it's, is it any wonder that we don't develop? Not as far as we could be and what he's intending for us to be. It is written in the book of Hebrews that he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, not his benefits, not any other thing, but him. He rewards those that seek him. And so he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28 says, and we know. Remember, we were talking about Asaph, David, all them great saints of God, that the very circumstances of their lives, because they were the quality of people that allowed the Spirit of God to have his way in their lives, he says in verse 28, the same thing that happened to them. He says, we know that all things are working together for good. To who? Though everybody? No. To them that what? Love God. To them that are the called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? It is this in verse 29. What is that, Brother Jeremy? It's for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Praise God. Verse 30. Can you read verse 30? Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Incredible. So the purpose of God, and it's something that has its origin before there was ever a material universe, he says, <laughs> He foreknew you. He told Jeremiah that. Before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had a specific purpose for you, Jeremiah. I ordained you to be a prophet under the nations. That was Jeremiah's task, right? But, but he told him and revealed to him, this is something uh, that you need to understand as a unique creation of, of, a, uh, of, of a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You were not just a, a faceless number in the crowd of the congregation of the redeemed. 
every single child of God has been selected before the foundation of the world to become his child. And I don't want to hear your theological just gymnastics at that kind of a statement thrown at me that, oh, you're this or you're that. Don't label me your stupid theology. This is the word of God. He knows. He's God. Just because you can't wrap your head around it, he says here that he knew us, he foreknew us, and therefore predestined us. And in those that are predestined are being called by the Spirit. Whom he did predestinate, he also called. You want to know why you're listening to this podcast? Because you're called by the Spirit of God. You want to know why you have a heart or a propensity into knowing the things of God? Because he's called you by his Spirit. So quit doubting that, that you're a child of God and, and, and that you're only relegated to the side and, and the work of God is for somebody else, not you. It's for all of us. We all have a purpose. And he prays specifically for each and every individual person. But that person must be one who cometh to God. We must cultivate this relationship. The very cross itself was part of the payment in order to make that possible. There was a wall of partition between us and the Heavenly Father. And because we have not meditated on such things, we find no value in them. But they're the very essence of existence itself. And they are the very thing that transcends our everyday common experience and lifts us into the realm where all things are majestic, awesome, and possible with God. That burning sensation when he opens the scriptures we talked about yesterday. The development of wisdom in the hidden part that David revealed. The, the, the awesomeness at seeing God the King of kings and the Lord of lords, from the woman who saw Jesus and broke in his presence and received what she needed and became someone that Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done to me shall be told in the whole world. This is, this is eternal what we're talking about. And, and, and it, it begins like every other thing begins, one step at a time. But as you go forward, what we're being seen here is that the purpose of God is that we be molded and shaped. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, that's you and me, he also predestinated to what? To be conformed, to be brought into the image of his son. That's what he's doing. But <laughs> but it, it, it has a a precursor, right? It has a primer. The, the thing that connects it all is verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good uh, uh, to them that, that what? Love God. Do you love him? Do I love him? Well, how do I demonstrate that love if I never spend time with him? The fact that I don't spend time with him at the quality that I could spend time with him indicates to myself, if this was the case, that I have so grossly uh, disrespected what my Savior did for me and have, have co completely miscalculated what it's all about. Because what he wants me to do is come to him. Because I should be so in love with the character and quality of my living Savior that I want to be just like him. And that I fall in love with him to such an extent that all I can do is come to him in utter uh, surrender. Yes, with my infirmities. 
Yes, with all my, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm not alone. I have the spirit of God that's been given to me. And it's in, in a measure, especially when we're first born again, it's as if when I engage in that practice of, 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 of talking to my heavenly father, of seeking him, that it's almost as if my soul is anesthetized as the spirit of the living God uh, speaks to my heavenly savior, who is my high priest, and tells him exactly what they're going to have to do in order to bring me to the ultimate highest expression of what I was meant to be, and that is to be an exact, if you will, uh, a replica in character of, of, of how I live, how I talk, how I walk, how I act, which is conformed to the image of the greatest human who's ever lived, the son of the living God, that I would be conformed to the image of his dear son. When he looks at me, he wants to see Jesus. Well, we would just throw up our hands and go, are you kidding me? Uh, that's impossible. Well, it is with men. He was talking along these lines with his apostles one time. Remember what they said? Lord, increase our faith, right? When it came to how many times do I forgive my brother? <laughs> and he said, God, increase my faith. And he said, you know what? If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, what was he trying to reveal? If you'll just take the tiniest little bit of initiative in what I bought and paid for, for you and for my church, these will be the results. This is the glorious way that God prepares his children. And we are the called according to his purpose. What is actually happening is what Paul revealed earlier. He likened it to, to something, he called it glory, which was going to be revealed in us. And he said that the entirety of the universe is waiting for what we're talking about this morning, uh, which is verse 19. Can you read verse 19 to us, brother? Of, of Romans? Yes, chapter 8. Yes. It says, <clears throat> for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Well, think of that statement right there. He says the entire universe the entire seen and unseen realm, that is the holy submitted realm of the angelic host and the material creation itself, and the animal kingdom, he says, are all waiting for one thing. They're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. See, when God flushes this whole thing out, when it's all said and done, the only thing that's going to be left standing are his children. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> my, my, my. Why? Why are they waiting for this? Verse 21, would you read that, brother? It says, because the, cre the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The reason he says that creation is groaning, what we start, Brother Jeremy started talking out about it this morning. We're seeing it everywhere. Our forests are on fire. I read an article yesterday, birds are falling out of the sky. Fish are, are throwing themselves up on the shorelines across the world in a mysterious act that nobody understands. Whales are beaching themselves. The earth is shaking around the globe. 
Volcanoes are exploding. It's mass hysteria. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is insane, right? So, <laughs> we've got asteroids flying by that NASA hasn't seen. We've had blood moons. We've had solar eclipses. I mean, the entirety of creation is screaming at us. Question is, do we understand? We're getting closer to the manifestation of the sons of God. And remember, we were talking about the, the, the process of the presence, the development of the saint. It is these most intimate things that 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 we know that that we're nearing the coming of the Lord. And and, and so he goes on in verse twenty two to say what? Can you read verse twenty two? For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. It's a painful process. Whether you can receive this or not, each and every single one of us are a miniature universe to ourselves. We're made up of the elements and substance of the material, which is our bodies. But there's that indistinguishable, unseeable component, which represents the realm of, of the spirit, which is our soul and spirit, our newborn spirit. The two are 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 joined together but the one has been in control we're born into it we're deposited into it it's our body it has been sold under sin that's what paul talked about that's why we fight against these impulses these passions you know the the body is an extraordinary thing it it, it holds memory it's it's a computer almost. It's almost like a like an AI all its own. I mean, God made this wondrous thing, this body, but it 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 is formed out of the substance of a fallen creation. And so, when our soul was deposited into it, we were literally born to die. But Jesus, then, uh, for those who call upon Him and believe His gospel, sent His Holy Spirit and 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 our newborn spirit from above and deposited it within our miniature universe, our body. And so begins the process of what we're reading here, what Paul is revealing at such a high level. He's talking at very deep levels here. He's he's literally revealing that the process of death that we experience is really a death of the will of, of our material body, which is hooked to this fallen universe. It's a painful thing. It doesn't last forever. It is brought into subjection to the spirit and the will of God if we allow the process to take place. And that's what he's saying there when he says, we know that the whole creation is groaning and it's travailing in pain and has been, he says, in a unified expression of desiring for God's will and purpose to come to pass. When you read things about dying to self, you're really reading what Paul's writing here. Your creation, your miniature universe is dying if you allow the, the, the travail to take place, that groaning which cannot be uttered we were just reading about. And so he, he, he connects us to that whole thing in verse 23 when he says what, Brother Jeremy? And not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. That's incredible. And what he says there, 
he says so so it's not only the universe and all creation that's groaning he says but we ourselves are groaning see when you accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior uh if you remember you were so full of joy so all you wanted to do was was tell somebody if you haven't had an experience like this, I would really have to question whether you've been truly born again. And don't just write yourself off real, real quickly, because if you've ever had an experience where, for even if it was momentary, where you just reached out and loved God, you know, with all your heart, that's what he's talking about. That's that, that feeling that we're trying to communicate here. That's the spirit that reaches toward God. That's the first fruits of the spirit. It's not just creation, but it's that first fruit. It's that deposit of the Holy Spirit into us. We are the tithe of the universe in a sense. We belong to God, his church that is. And he says, we begin to groan within ourselves. And what we're waiting for, he says, is our new body. To be separated and removed from this mortal coil in essence, is what God is doing on a much larger scale as it pertains to the entirety of everything that was ever made. Protons, neutrons, electrons, you, you name it, you know, the elements, I mean, the, the very solid material world, all of it shall be folded up and done away with. There's coming a new heaven and a new earth. It is that part of us that that reaches toward him. And it all begins with a simple step toward him. And if you will consistently take the time, it'll 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 cross over from being a a labor. It'll cross over from being some sort of obligatory thing that I should do because I'm a believer. And over time, you will begin to experience a panoply of things in the spirit. And, and and through the word and through the Holy Spirit, through all of it, you will find yourself going deeper and deeper into the places with God where the Spirit of God searches the very innermost workings. Like David cried out, make me to know truth. You desire truth in the inward parts, plural, and in the hidden part. Make me to know wisdom. That begins the process, and he begins to to dissect the, the 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 things that have attached themselves like a claw, you know, to 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 the soul, hidden even from the deepest contemplations of our own meditations, until time passes and consecration sets in, and you've made a sanctified commitment to your heavenly Father. Those that love God, he said. It's those that love him uh, and, and that are called according to his purpose, which is what? To be conformed to the image of his, new, his, his, his dear son, his only begotten son, the beginning of the creation of God. Something new is happening. That's way down the road, but it's, it, it's to be noted and it's to be understood. I don't pray out of obligation, although some people have that misconstrued idea. I pray because he's my very breath and my very life, which is something I didn't understand for the majority of the early part of my Christian walk. I set out seeking God when I was first born again. I used to pray, and I'd fall asleep praying because I didn't know how to pray. But I prayed, and he honored it. 
and then I got into the ministry and so forth. And so and I, and I was on this quest to seek God. And so I defined it, you know, as I've got to get up early and I've got to pray two hours and then I got to study the word. And it became a, an obligatory thing and, and transcended to a, a, an outside version of what should have been taking place on the inside. And so when I ran out of my strength, I ran out of my desire to pray and I ran out of my desire to, to study. And suddenly I was living off the uh, the fruits that I had harvested from, from that labor of my own will uh, for years. I never stopped praying. I always got up in the morning and I would hit my knees and ask God to you know, bless my wife, bless my kids, bless the day, bless your church. Amen. That was my the, the whole of my prayer life. And then when I got into the ministry, I might set aside a day or I knew I had a date coming up, you know, so I still maintained my maintenance prayer life. But, but you know, a day or two leading up to it, I'd begin to get a little deeper and I'd search the scriptures, you know, and see what God's trying to say to me. And then I'd go by faith and preach the gospel. But that wasn't what he was after. And that's not what he's after in any of us. He's after the intimacy and he's after the the broken and contriteness where the pride of what we are is exposed to us. David said this to God in one of the Psalms. He said, Lord, I will make known my transgressions to you. When I first read that, I went, oh, my God, that's just an incredible thing to say. I mean, there's sins and then there's transgressions, right? There's iniquities. I mean, we're talking about the honesty before God. There is a cleansing that takes place when you hear yourself speak to God about what you really are. He sees it anyway, but he's made it available for you to speak it so you might be purged, so you might be cleansed, so you might be healed, so you might be delivered. I've experienced several uh, you know, times of deliverance in my own life and some greater than others. But one of the most profound ones was something I struggled with for almost 20 years. And I went through a, an up and down cycle of, of, of how to deal with it, right? But, but I reached the point where all I could do was whisper to God and say, God, help me. That's all I could say. But it was the most honest. And that was the gift. It was the most honest I had been with God in years. And and I didn't even know it right until that moment. But at that moment, he broke the power of that thing in my life and took it away. And it's been it's been almost three years now for me. And what is it, Brother Marty? It's none of your business. What's going on in your life? <laughs> We're talking about you. <laughs> I know how you people are. So listen, man. <clears throat> we maybe went off a little bit. Uh, a little. <laughs> we did go off of our subject, man. We'll return to it on 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 Monday. But I want to encourage you this weekend. Take the time. Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. Prioritize this moment. And for me, it, you know, I have my set time with the Lord that I seek Him every single day. Am I bragging? No, I'm telling you, that's a gift from God. But he's given us all that gift. It's a matter of will we unwrap it and, 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 and then take it into our own lives and hearts. 
it's not going to, you, you're not going to begin overnight. I used to read these books about the great prayer warriors, you know, of the old, I said, man, you know, that's insane. How the heck did they do that? You know, it's like, no way. And I get all convicted and, you know, put the book down in utter frustration is I'll never be like that. Right. Well, and then I came across a book once and was reading this old timer who, who prayed for hours and hours. He used to pray for hours. And, uh, and he said in there, which drew, uh, the Holy Spirit drew my attention. He said, look, he said, don't think you're going to be at this level overnight. He goes, I'm talking about this is training. This requires training. You know, you're going to have to train your way into this. You know, having your senses exercised to discern good and evil. That's what Paul called it. You can train in these things. But understand it from the perspective of the glorious revelation that is unlocked. And part of that unlocking, as we've been talking about at length now, is allowing the Spirit of God to search the innermost parts of your heart and reveal them to you. And allowing the Lord Jesus, who searches the hearts, connecting to that and rejoicing in the gift of, like John said, right? If we confess our sins, our faults, our flaws, whatever you need help with, he's faithful and just uh, to cleanse us of, of 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 all unrighteousness, to forgive us of our sins, to whatever they may be. Sins doesn't always have to be, um, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. It's the tinier things that he's really concerned with. Because once you get past that whole, you know, fleshly thing, especially as you get older, you, you lose certain things that you used to, you know, deal with as younger people, but you don't anymore. But the battle becomes more about the mind. The imagery, the attacks of the enemy, Paul called upon us to put on the whole armor of God, to have on that helmet, so forth and so on. All of those things are components to that relationship that we have with him. And he helps our infirmities. He helps us through those things. But if we remain passive and sedentary in our spiritual walk, we will never come to that place, which is what God's purpose is all along. And that's to mold us into the image of his dear son, that we would reflect the image of his son. We're not him and never could be, but we can become like him. When the apostles were gathered that day and they were being persecuted by the Pharisees, they, the Bible says that, that they marveled at their ability to, to argue with them in the scriptures. And then it says they took note. Why? And they took note, it says, because they, 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 they remembered they had been with Jesus. They recognized Christ in them. And that is what God wants us to become, especially in these times, especially in these dark seasons, especially in these most prophetic of times that we're living in. We are now being called to, to become that light, that city that, that gives light set on a hill, right? That candle on the candlestick. It is a glorious process that that we take. It is a journey that is that is known by a fraternity of those who have been there. And and all of them you will hear them talk about things in prayer, in fellowship, in discovery, in the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ with such glowing and 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 uh, ethereal terms, you know. Um that's that's a club I want to be part of. I'm not there yet. But we're headed there, and all of us are going to be there because he's coming for a glorious bride, one who in this process is 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 
is purposefully made the decision to sever ties with the temporary things of this world and have set their sights on things above and not on things below. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what he did with David and Ovid, Edom and Asaph. And this is what he wants to do with us. It's time for us to take our place in that glorious troop called the, the hosts of the living God, the saints of the living God. Our destiny is a glory that Paul described, which is, or Peter, I think it was, who said it's joy unspeakable, man. And it's full of glory and the half is yet to be told. We pray you have a great weekend and pray that you would know how deeply and how profoundly loved that you are by the Lord Jesus Christ. He stretched his arms in both directions. He let him stretch him from head to toe. And there he stands inviting us to run to the embrace of his forgiveness, his deliverance, and the gift of his Holy Spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even so, come quickly. Dear Lord Jesus is our prayer. We love you and we bless you. And uh, we pray you have a great week. And we'll be back again Monday as we pick up this story on the presence of the Lord. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything to say? Uh, brother, thank you. And thank the Lord. And just thank you for being sensitive, Brother. Uh, I know this word not only um, hit hit the people, it hit us too, you know, as an encouragement. You know, I, I think it's something that in the church today is not spoken about, but how does God develop his servants is, is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, it, it goes beyond, Lord, I love you, I thank you, I pray, like you said, for my, no, it's, uh, it, it's really the development requires a deconstruction, which you said, something yeah. powerful of, of our lives. And, and how closely it's connected to a prayer, intercession, true prayer, where yeah. God wants to take us. And uh, I believe it was the Lord who, who had you and led you this way and, and uh, really to encourage and for us to think on these things, brothers and sisters, because I know that's your desire. How do we get there? And I think we've uh, been given today some, some powerful truths through the word of God on yeah. how we can begin this journey. Amen. Um, and so I praise God. We praise God for his word today. We, we pray that you have a, a good weekend. Uh, we pray God's blessings over your life, God's protection. And as always, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And keep looking up.